Uh, we're going to be, again, we're going to be in John 15. I'm going to use my technology, though. I've got all my notes here on my iPad. Just make sure I don't uh, let my college professors uh, back when I was in Bible college know I'm using an iPad to preach out of for notes. Some of them would be upset. Um, it was at, I don't know if you know, uh, brother John Getch, there's actually a John Getch Jr. and John Getch Sr. But the funny thing is, is John Getch Sr., he's an evangelist over, um, on the, the West Coast and he's been preaching. It was amazing to see a man in his, I think he was in his sixties, seventies, maybe a little bit older than that. And he still was using paper. It was just, you never see that very often. Most people are using technology and that kind of stuff. But it was amazing to see that he always had a briefcase full of, of papers of different uh, sermons and whatnot. Um, we're going to be on John chapter 15. Uh, let's go ahead and read the first few verses. And we'll kind of get into this. It's nothing, it's nothing in depth. Um, when you look at uh, John chapter 15, I, you can spend a whole evening on just every single one of the verses here in in chapter 15 but what we're going to do tonight is is we're going to actually look through the whole chapter read a, a good portion of it and and just kind of glean a couple of uh, basic uh, principles uh, from the bible um, we're not going to go uh, real in depth but we're just going to glean a couple of of simple truths from uh, god's word uh, here in cha uh, John chapter 15, we're going to read the first four verses. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. So much truth, just even those four verses right there. Um, we can have a long conversation about even the one word abide. Abide. And that's that's one of the, the main, well, that's actually really the, the main um, topic when you go through chapter 15 is abiding in Christ. And there's, there's so much to be said with, with just that single word right there. And if you don't know what it means to abide in Christ, it's, uh, it's used 120 times in the Bible and not the word abide, but the, the, the actual Greek word that it comes from, um, that we get the translation from, it shows up 120 times in the Bible. Um, it's also translated in, in, as remain and dwell and continue to tarry, to endure. And the funny thing is, is when you actually um, study what the word means in, in context of the Bible, it, it actually talks more of a place than an actual action. When Christ tells you to abide in him, he's more talking about the aspect that we are to stay in him, stay with him, to spend time with him, spend time talking with him. To abide in him is a place that you're continually supposed to be in. And that's with him, in him. But there's a, 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 few, a few principles that I, I wanted to talk about this evening. Um, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll actually get into this. 
Uh, Lord, I just thank you for what you've done for us today. Lord, I just thank you for, Lord, the fact that we actually have the ability to grow. That, Lord, that you didn't just simply save us and leave us to our own uh, works, our own demise. Lord, the fact that you've given us the ability that we can abide with you. Lord, you are a personal God to us. Lord, you, you have built not only a, a position for us to have, but Lord, you have established a relationship. And Lord, we, we couldn't have that relationship unless you had, have given us the opportunity to do so. And Lord, I just thank you for the fact that even after Adam and Eve and the fall of man, Lord, you, you did what was necessary to redeem us. And Lord, I pray that as we look through uh, just these, these simple principles and truths, that we continue to grow. Lord, again, I just thank you for all that you've done. And Jesus Christ, precious name I pray. Amen. Technology is a great thing, but I'm already noticing that some of my notes got deleted. I love that one that happens. Um... So there's, there's a few simple truths that I, I really wanted to just make a couple of statements. And um, really, it's, it's a focus on our growth. When you're talking about abiding, abiding in Christ, um, you can't help but talk about growth in your Christian life. The whole aspect of abiding is, is so you can grow. In fact, the funny thing is, is he, he, makes that, he makes that correlation of there being a branch and a vine. Well, if you have a plan, if you have that branch and the van, does, the, the van, the vine, see, there's just my, my work brain is still trying to catch up. Um, if a vine doesn't grow or bear fruit, it's, it's, it's cut off. You have to prune. You have to. You have to do a lot of, of upkeep when it comes to uh, um, these fruit trees and, and and all that kind of stuff. Well, the thing is, is to abide in Christ is to grow. But how is it that we are supposed to grow? Well, the first thing that we have to recognize, if we are going to abide in Christ, we have to realize that we grow in our position with Christ. We have to understand who we are, where we are. And the first thing that we have to recognize is the fact that life begins with Christ. Now, of course, life, and it seems so, it seems so silly to even mention something as simple as this, but the fact that life itself begins with Christ, Christ is God, and life comes from him. We are given physical life not by our parents. We are given physical life by God through our parents. And we have to recognize even the most simple gifts that he gives us. Job 33.4 tells us, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Genesis 2.7, and, uh, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and, the bre and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We have to recognize the fact that God is the source of life itself. We are not created by evolutionary uh, traits. I, I've, there's so much that can be said in that aspect, but we have to recognize that simple truth 
uh, to, to start that, that relationship with Christ. We also have to recognize that he is the one that has given us not only physical life, but spiritual life. John chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. John 6.63 tells us it is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If we were going to grow, that's one other thing also, and there's a correlation that we see the aspect throughout the the New Testament and even the Bible, you find this this uh, comparison of evil fruit and good fruit. If you can't recognize the fact that life comes from God, if you can't recognize the fact that spiritual life comes from him, um, you're really setting yourself up for evil fruit. If you're not starting with him, and it's, it's amazing, amazing to see what our country is becoming like nowadays, um, you you wouldn't believe how bold even the, and I, I don't say this in light in any way shape or form, but even the the Church of Satan, an actual established organization here in America, is recognizing the fact that they have grown so much in our own country. There is evil fruit out there, and where does it start? They first decided that God was dead they decided that and there's there's so much that can be said with and i'll stop right there but of course not only does he give us physical life and spiritual life but he gives us life that is abundant and this is one of those things where if you read it too quickly you don't realize what's being stated john chapter 10 9 to 11 says i am the door by me if any man enter in he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy i am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly i am the good shepherd the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep you know what's funny is the fact that he says that there's an abundance of life well, last time I checked, you're either alive or you're dead. You can't be more dead than dead, and you can't be more alive than alive. And it's kind of one of those contrary things that if, if you read it real quickly, you're like, oh, yeah, I have, abundant li- I have an abundant life in Christ. Yeah, you take that for granted. You don't realize what's being stated. He's not only giving you life, but he's giving you more than just life. He's giving you life more abundant. You have life on top of life. But the sad thing is, is too many Christians live like they don't have a life. Like they don't have a calling. Like they don't don't have a God that personally cares about them. That has given them a plan that is uh, invested in our lives. And the funny thing is, is when you really talk about an abundance of life, you're kind of left to this point where you have to give, you have to pay it forward in a sense, right? I know that that statement's becoming more and more popular nowadays. But the funny thing is, is Mark Twain had that figured out a long time ago. And, he, and it's, it's actually a very simple quote. If you want love and abundance of life, give it away. There's, there's so many verses that come to mind um, when it comes to this this topic 
of um, giving to others. Um, he has made promise after promise of uh, for those that are sacrificial in giving will oftentimes receive it even more. John chapter 15 and verse 4, again it says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. So the second thing I want to talk about is, is not just the fact that we have growth in our position, but we have growth in our relationship. John chapter 15, verse 5 to 8 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gathereth them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, uh, so shall ye be my disciples. If you think you can grow as a Christian and please God without God, you're sorely missed. We must grow in our understanding of who he is. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, O workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It starts with studying. Studying his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I love... I love studies. I love to take the time to, to read a study on, on different topics or verses or, or maybe even just simple words throughout the Bible. But nothing beats just simply reading the Bible. And I, I had this argument many times when I was in Bible college that the, the best in, oh, what is it that pastor, I, I, I know pastor mentions this multiple times. But what is it, the, um, the best interpretation, what is it, the best interpretation of the Bible is the Bible? Is that, yeah, I, like I said, my work brain's not quite, quite, quite let me uh, uh, run in all pistons and whatnot. Um, but the funny thing is, is, is just simply letting the Bible explain itself is the best way to do it. And I know plenty of buddies of mine that they would focus on, well, this person says this and this person says that. And they spent their whole day studying something in the Bible, but never spent more than 10 seconds actually reading the Bible. They spent the whole day reading what everyone else says, uh, what the Bible says. And they, they lose, they lose sight of what God had planned for us. He wants to speak. He wants to speak to you. Um, and allow you to grow in uh, the understanding of who he is. Uh, Hebrews 5, 11 to 14 says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those by reason of use have the senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There's supposed to be growth 
in our understanding of the Bible, our growth in our understanding of who God is. Of course, we must also grow in the grace that he provides us. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, But grow in grace and, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Romans 5.15 says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Uh, Romans uh, 5.20, later in that chapter, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I have, I have led people in, in uh, and I can, I can think of multiple times where I was working with someone um, either on door knocking um, or someone in the church that was trying to wrap their mind around the fact that um, God's grace is much greater than their sin. And I can't tell you time and time again, I've worked with people that, you know, I was into drugs. I was into this. I, I've had a violent past. I've had this. And, and they, they just kind of think that their sin outweighs the grace of God. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And sadly, even not just the lost will stifle the grace of God, but Christians themselves. They won't allow the grace of God to grow them. And there are times where you have to allow God to work in your heart. Romans 5.17, For by one man's offense death reigned by one much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. We need to, to grow in our understanding of who he is. We need to grow in our grace that he provides us, but we also must abide with him. Luke ten thirty eight to 42 says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I find myself oftentimes like Martha, constantly working. What do I need to do next? I mean, maybe it's just... Just how I'm wired as a, as a guy, I mean, that's that's one of the things that works well with with work a, working on HVAC units. There's always something to learn. But the funny thing is, is is kind of, I I relate to Martha in that sense of what's what's next? What's the next project I need to get done? What what do I need to start saving for? What do I need to pay off? And and just kind of working at the the next. What's the next thing I need to do? What's next? What's next? What's next? Martha had that mindset. What do we need to do? But sometimes you just need to be. Sometimes you just need to be like Mary. Sure, there's tons of things to do. But sometimes you just need to slow down. Spend that time with the Lord. 
I, I'm guilty of it. <laughs> I'm guilty of that too many times to be like Martha. But we need to slow down, abide with him. This is this was one of the best examples that I've I've ever read in the Bible about the example of abiding. Mary was abiding with Christ. She was there in the place with him in that moment. What is it that God's doing in your life right now? What is what is he trying to do in your life right now? Sometimes we can get busy with all the minutia, all of these small details that that surround the big picture of what he's trying to do, what he's trying to accomplish through you right now. And maybe we need to take a step back and actually take that moment. But be like Mary. Spend that time in prayer. Spend that time worshiping the Lord. No, no doubt, I guarantee you, Mary was one of those types that was always spending time in, in, her, in her Bible in that sense, in the scriptures, being familiar with that. Now, we need to, to have growth in our position. We need to have growth in our relationship. But the last thing we need to recognize is we need to have growth in our service. We need to have growth in our service. Love is an opportunity. Love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. That's what the world is going to tell you. And that's honestly the reason we're in half the mess we're in right now is because they, they've got everything backwards. Love is a commitment that you make to one another. A promise. John chapter 15, 9 and 10. It tells us this. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. After you spend that time understanding who you are, who he is, what he has done for you, and when you grow in that grace in the Lord, the natural response to that is to serve. You can't spend time with God and not feel like getting up and doing something for someone else. You can. But of course, the funny thing is, is when you're loving God, you respond, you, the way you love people, you love them in different ways. You love God by obeying him. You love God by obeying him. That's how you display that love. Proverbs 7, 1 and 2 tells us, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live in my law as the apple of thine eye. John chapter 14, verse 15 and 21 tells us, If ye love me, keep my commandments. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them... He is that that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. One, one side note that I want to mention. If you want to grow in your love towards God, simply look and understand how much he loves you. You will naturally love God more. You can't muster that. You can't just fake it. 
oh, I need to love God more. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, if you want to love God more, understand and, and, and research and, and dive into the depths of the amount, the amount that God loves you. Because you cannot love him. You can't. John chapter 15, verse 11 to 17 tells us this. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. If ye do whatsoever I command you, henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made note unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, and ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Uh, I'm, I'm going to skip a few of the verses that I have here, and, and we'll kind of um, wrap this up with a, a few verses. Um, loving saints is caring after them. Now, loving God is obeying him, but loving each other is by caring for each other. First Peter 4, 8 says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. First John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Romans 13, 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And I'll be honest, the, the people that I know that love me the most are typically the ones that have, have done some of the greater, greatest things for me. I've met, I've met plenty of people that have made tons of promises, right? And we've all have. Oh, man, I love you so much. <laughs> well, where were you yesterday when I needed your help? Oh, man, I love you so much. Yeah. We, we know people like that. I hope we're not one of those people that will constantly tell people, you know, I love you. I, I do this with the guy. And it's kind of funny. And it's, it's, it's funny to do this with, with just secular people. People that haven't grown up in the church or, or don't know God at all. You just tell them, you know, I love you. You need anything? They'll look at you. What? They don't, they don't know what, you, they don't know that they, they don't know what the love of God is like. And the funny thing is, is I've got, I've got a guy even today uh, dealing with some customers, man, there are some customers out there that are just crazy. And I have a buddy of mine and Amanda knows about this situation. She's been kind of laughing at me, but dealing with this customer difficult. And I've got a coworker of mine and one of our dispatchers. And the funny thing is, is I'll tell him all the time. Hey man, I love you. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. You need anything? No, I'm good. I'm like, are you sure? You don't need anything? And he kind of looks at me like no one's ever asked me that. No, I guess I'm good. But just knowing that someone cares enough to say, hey, you know what? I'm available. You need anything? It makes such a big difference. I didn't just That's how you care for each other. That's how you love one another. We're, of course... We love God by obeying him. We love the saints by caring for them. But the funny thing is, is do you know how you love the world? 
I'm not talking about how you love the world in the aspect of 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 uh, what do you want? As, as the Bible talks about loving the world and and being uh, of the world, but I mean, do you do you know how to to care for the world? And Jesus Christ loved the world in a different way, obviously. But you know how you you love the world, how you display that, how you practice that, it's by being hated by them. It really is. You find someone that, man, you find someone that hates you as a Christian, especially. Just taking that and just saying, hey, you know, I love you. It's okay. You can hate me as much as you want. They they lose all fire. They got no ammunition. I've seen I have seen some of the hardest people. I've seen, I, and that, in fact, that one person that comes to mind, there was actually a Muslim man that would come to the, the Bible college I went to. And the funny thing is, is this Muslim man, he would go toe-to-toe with professors. He would go toe-to-toe with the smartest uh, students I knew. And they would have theological dissertation. They would pull up history books. And, man, they would just all, all day long, just argument after argument and debate after debate. The funny thing is, is I mean, I've sat down with him multiple times. You just talked to him, loved him, cared for him. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, no, let's not get in the arguments. How are you doing? How's your family doing? Oh, man, your son's got that going on? I'm sorry. Can I do anything for you? And the funny thing is, is that he, they would have these debates all the time. He finally got saved nine months after going through all that. And the funny thing is, is we, I went up to him at one point. I was like, what, what was it? Why is it that you abandoned the Muslim faith and accepted Christ as your savior? He said, the way you guys love each other and how you loved me. It wasn't the dissertations. It wasn't the arguments. It wasn't proving a point. What made a difference in his life in accepting Christ was watching the love that was displayed to one another. Uh, and the funny thing is, is he actually saw a, a moment where I was abandoned in the middle of Los Angeles. A buddy of mine, he didn't owe me anything. I was, I was destitute. I was broke. I had no money. My car was broken down. I was in the middle of Los Angeles, like an hour and a half, two hour drive. And one of my buddies, Daniel Shedd, I'll never forget him. He had this big fire red uh, F-250 truck, and he had a uh, uh, he had a car trailer. He was one of those guys that could fix anything almost. It seemed like at least. And um, he 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 was hanging out with that the that Muslim man and whatnot. And he was like, "Hey, you want to come with me?" And he he that Muslim man drove with my buddy Daniel to come pick me up in my car, and drove me back. I tried to give him money, and Daniel just would not take it. He went and bought the part I needed and then helped me put it in. And the whole time, the Muslim man was just watching us and hanging out with us. And it was moments like that that he saw the love of Christ. Because it was the care that we had to the saints and the fact that we took a beating. We allowed the world to hate us. I hate to say it. Persecution's a great thing. I don't want to see it. And I'll be honest, my flesh does not want to see persecution. And especially seeing how our world and how the U.S. is going today. Sure, I don't want to see half the stuff that's happening. But there's a silver lining. 
gives us an opportunity to prove to the world that we love them when they can persecute us. I don't want, like I said, I don't want it, but it, 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 it will, it'll help in that sense. So first Peter chapter four and verse 13, but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Second Timothy three twelve. Yea, and all that will uh, live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's a promise that the world will hate us. James one two to four says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. How's your fruit? Where are you in, in, in that aspect of abiding in Christ? Where are you in that place? Do you fully understand who you are in Christ? How's your relationship with Christ? How's your growth? Really, there's only one person that can answer that question. But of course, everyone can see your fruit. And how is it? Do you have any fruit? Is it good quality fruit? Man, there's nothing like, man, there's nothing like a like some good fruit. I I, I there was just a few months ago. I had a I was right at the beginning of the summer. Had a customer of mine gave me mangoes. I've had mangoes before. I've bought mangoes before. I was like, okay, it's mangoes. Whatever. I've had mangoes before. That's okay. I like mangoes. Well, they gave me mangoes, and they, they told me – I actually had to ask her where she got her mangoes because they were about the best mangoes I've ever had in my life. I don't think I'll ever get mangoes that taste that good again. And she bought them off this, this guy off the side of the road over on, um, on uh, University Boulevard or whatever it was. Funny thing is, is you can taste a difference. Man, you get some low-quality fruit. Man, that is just nasty. You take, you just use that expectation. Oh man, I got a nice, I got a nice cherry. You take a bite of it, and it's rotten. Oh, oh, that just make your toes curl. What kind of fruit do we have? If Christ was to take and pluck a little fruit off our tree, oh man, it looks good. How does it taste? Is it good? Is it rotten? Are we growing? Do we even have fruit? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I just thank you for what you've done for us.